Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Cud Talk. We are going to discuss two things that I think probably affects every listener today. We are going to talk about the struggle uh, with pride and how that can affect you as a follower of Jesus. And we are going to t- going to discuss uh, peacemaking. We see in these Beatitudes that Christ calls us to be peacemakers. And we are going to talk about the struggle that that is but also how we ourselves as Christians can be peacemakers. Listen, it's going to be a fun episode. Chris, what's going on, my man? Good morning, brother. How are you? We are shooting this on a rainy, drowsy day. Yes, we are. I hope that our voices don't come off as if it is a rainy, drowsy day. Drowsy, boring, blah. But I feel like that today. Um, I don't know why. The the weather just affects my... my mood. It's, I'm kind of weird like that. I think when I was a kid, man, I loved rainy days because it meant like, yes, I got to sit inside and just watch cartoons all day. I don't have to get to do anything. But now I'm like, man, I want some sunshine. Yes. So, hey, dude, I was watching something <laughs> today back from 2020. Um, and for listeners, I want to take you back to that place real quick of the end of April and it's 2020. We've been shut down for about three weeks now. Just remember what you were doing uh, in that time. Um, maybe you don't want to remember, um, but for me, I saw a video. It popped up on my social media uh, today, um, and I was I did a podcast like this at the previous church I was at, and we were doing one, and I was in the guest bedroom of my house, and we were talking about, uh, me and the, the other guy doing the podcast, and we were talking about what is going to replace handshakes. Um, because we thought we would never shake hands again. And I even said on the podcast, um, I said handshakes by 2022 will not be a thing. I said, even if COVID doesn't go away, people are not going to want to touch other people's hands. Um, and clearly Jonathan Vaughn was wrong in that. (laughs) But let me ask you this, and I didn't prep you for this. Is there anything that your family does? So for instance, I thought handshakes would go away forever. Is there anything that your family still does because of COVID? Like you all adopted a new hobby or you did, you did certain things because of COVID to protect yourself. And now it's just like become what the Shawans do. I'll give you an example for me, um, and I think this is not just a Vaughn thing, but, like, I am still very cautious of people that are sick. Like, yeah. like used to, man, if I was sick, like, if I had a cold, I wouldn't care. If other people had colds, I wouldn't care. But now I'm like, get away from me. Yeah. If um, I remember a couple weeks ago, my wife had the stomach bug. And I remember before COVID, like, if, if one of us had the stomach bug, like, we would sleep in the same bed and just be like, hey, don't kiss me. Like, just, you know. Now I'm like in the whole other side of the house. I'm like lice on it and like go away, like <laughs> like move out. Yeah, yeah. Um. And I wasn't like that before COVID. Um. Didn't know if your family did anything that y'all still have two year, three years later that you're still in a habit of. Well, it's not a habit. We don't. I mean, you know, during that time when we were all in, I mean, everybody was in, kids were in, and I was in. We really didn't do this then, but. You know, we did do more things together like games, puzzles, and stuff. And we used to not do that. but And we kind of still do that now because we're, we're always we're just busy. We're always going. Mm-hmm. So it's actually sitting down and doing that kind of stuff is fun. So, like, when we go away on vacation now, we, we kind of do that kind of stuff more. So that's But that's kind of like a normal family thing. Here's my thing with my family. We still have a Rubbermaid, one of the clear Rubbermaids with the containers. 
we still have all our masks. That freaks me out a little bit. Like, it's in our laundry room. It sits in there. So when you walk in to fold clothes or get clothes out of the dryer, there's this tub of looming sickness mask that, like, I'm, not, gonna, I'm like, not throwing those away yet. Like, yeah. we save baby clothes for the next baby. Are y'all yeah. saving them for the next pandemic? I guess so. <laughs> I don't know why. But we still, they're still there. And it's not just the ones over your ears. It's the ones you could just pull up over your, you know. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and every time I see them, I'm like, I'm always in my head, I'm like, we might need those again. Oh, man, I hope and I, not. And I hope not. But they're there. I think history will tell us that the next time one happens, we won't be here. Like, they usually Probably, happen yeah. about every 100 years or yeah. so. Um, which was why when COVID first, like, was on, I remember we were still going to church and people were talking about COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, corona, ni- or, yeah, coronavirus. Um, that uh, that I remember thinking, uh, I remember when swine flu came just before that, um, and I remember thinking, one of these is going to hit soon. Like, right. it's been a while since the Spanish flu, I thought, just looking at history, one mm. of these is going to take us down. Um, yeah. And, and you know, COVID was terrible. Um, we lost a lot of good people to the disease. We did. Um, it's affected people mentally. But I do think that we, we did um, adopt some habits or change our lives a little bit for the good, as you mentioned, family game night. Um, and I was afraid that once we started – um, acclimating back into culture that we would begin the busyness again mm-hmm. um, and and the demands of life would just take over because they took a break for a certain amount of time and nobody was really, um, like nobody's baseball uh, skills lessened. Right. Because they, were they all stayed there. Everybody was <laughs> yeah, on the same and, thing. And yeah. nobody, nobody played the flute any less worse than they did before COVID. <laughs> right. like, like, it was okay that they didn't have to go to practice every right. week. But anyway, yeah. um, maybe maybe for you this week, go back to some old COVID habits. Maybe go back to to staying in one night and cooking a meal and saying we're playing we're playing family game night. We're having a puzzle. Uh, we're watching this cer- certain TV show. Ariel and I got uh, addicted to a certain certain TV shows during COVID. Um, well, but know, anyway, well, you know, you put out a, and you do a lot of this when you put out videos and stuff for the church and hey, this is coming up and kind of stuff like that. And I will confess, that's part of my hesitancy of me putting out, hey, let me do this video because I remember what I, I couldn't stand doing video posts so from home during COVID because I felt they were so awkward. And when I sit down in front of that computer, that thing to make a video, I'm like, this takes me back to this place <laughs> where I'm talking to a pinhole. And I don't get this, and so that that's that's for, that's hard for me. So yeah, maybe I can grow from that. Who knows? But yeah. Well, if you know me, um, I like doing this sort of stuff. I like doing podcasts. Um, I love our listeners. I love uh, doing videos. It's just kind of my. Uh, I think it's a gift, but also I'm like really comfortable doing it. Like I feel no different yeah. with this microphone in front of my face right now talking to you than if that it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I hope I come off that way to the listeners. Um, but anyway, uh, let's jump right in. We were in Matthew uh, chapter 5, uh, verses 7 through 12. Um, this is the second half of the Beatitudes that Jesus gave, um, the, the blessings that Jesus gave. He said, you will be blessed uh, if you have these certain, excuse me, characteristics. Um, and we talked last week. If you didn't listen to last week's podcast, go back and listen to it. Um, it talks about how these things that Jesus says, you'll be happy and joyful 
uh, and blessed if you possess as your characteristics, then you'll be, or sorry, that you will be blessed, joyful, happy if you have these characteristics, um, and how that is countercultural. But let's jump right in uh, this week to, um, I really had two questions, and I preached this Sunday, um, and once again, we do this podcast because we feel like we can't, as pastors, as preachers, you really can't talk about the entire um, thought of the scripture in a 45-minute sermon. Um, but it is good to hit the high points, and so we did say, hey, let's talk about it more on uh, the podcast, and let's make it more applicable. So when I look as, at this ex- at this list as a whole, um, I see that Jesus says, hey, if you're going to be a citizen of heaven, you're going to be a citizen in God's kingdom, you should possess these characteristics. And every one of them um, is it has the opposite... Um, take of pride. I wrote down, it's impossible to exude these characteristics uh, if we are prideful. Um, and so I think because of our culture, because of living in the Western world, we are just naturally prideful people. We have a lot of uh, earthly, quote-unquote, mm. blessings. Uh, for the most part, we are financially well off. Uh, For most of you listening to this today, I'm assuming you're listening on some sort of device, uh, which means you have probably more electronics in your house than most of the world. Um, You aren't worried about what you're going to eat for dinner tonight. Um, And so all that can make us prideful. It can make us be self-reliant. It can make us be boastful. Um, and so what are, I want to ask you, PK, and us really discuss together, um, what are some habits that we can create? Actually, let me, let me start with the second question first. What are warning signs that we are becoming too prideful? And I say that for you listener, almost treat this podcast. I've said this before. It's like kind of like a small group. Um, think about this internally, maybe listen with your spouse and pause after a question, um, but what are some warning signs that we can look inwardly and say, hey, are any of these things, you know, flashing in my life that are showing me that I am too prideful? So I think you hit on one. I'm going to go out of order for my little cheat sheet here because I think you already touched on one of the things that I wrote down. One of those things is I think that when we allow this sense of entitlement to become present in our life, for example, one of the things you said was, you know, we are in this culture blessed with multiple everythings, devices, homes. We're not stressed about a lot of things that a lot of the world would consider basic survival things we have. And we've become very confident in that. But one of the things I think we that can identify pride in our lives is that we begin operating out of a sense of entitlement in the sense that, well, I deserve these things because of maybe who I am, what I do, what my position is, how much money I do make. I see myself as more valuable than other people. And so I think when we allow a sense of entitlement to be present in our life, that we just should get or we should have because of who we are, that directly negates our understanding of who we are first in Christ. So look at your conversations. I'll stop after that one just to kind of put it into how a listener can view this. Look at your conversations both internally or vocally with someone else. Do you hear the words in your head or come out of your mouth, I deserve this or I deserve that? If If most of your conversations or your thoughts have that 
phrase in it, you may be coming too prideful. So that's number one. Sorry. So no, no, that's good. That's a good one. Uh, a second way I think that we as believers have warning signs in our life about being too prideful is when we start to justify or we start to dismiss sin in our lives. Um, because we, we, we believe and have great faith and trust in the grace and mercy of God over our lives. But yet we discount the power of sin, unconfessed sin in our lives. Or we say, well, God understands me. He gets my, uh, you know, I know that was wrong, but. And, and I think that when we start to look at sin as something that we're just kind of dismissing, we're recognizing it, but we're not confessing it. We're not dealing with it. We're not sharing that in our, in our time with the Lord. Or even if we have, we're doing that with others in our lives, harboring that sin and, and not, you know, dealing with that sin because of who we are, because we're under that grace, I think is another sign because that begins to snowball in our life and it begins to affect every area of our life. And so when we are, when we see ourselves as too good, that, that sin is no longer affecting us or we're not dealing with it, I think that's another way in which we can see in our life, you know, hey, we've kind of lost a sense of who we are. We're not, you know, we're not inoculated to the effect of sin in our life. Mm. And so I think that's one that, that, and we have to have others in our life to help us in those areas as well. But I think when we get too comfortable with that sin or we get to where it doesn't grieve us anymore, as we kind of talked a little bit about yeah. last week. So I think that goes into one of mine that I was going to say, kind of a warning sign that you should look for in your own life if it's present. Um, Chris just gave us two good ones. One that I would say goes along with his last one um, is if you seek man's applause, if you are a people pleaser, I guess would be a better way sure. to put it. And if you are a people pleaser, you need, that needs to be a warning sign to you because when you want to please man, when you want the reason you're a people pleaser for the most part isn't because you want peace and calmness. It's probably because you like their applause and their attaboys and their, man, you're doing such a great job when really all you're doing is pleasing people. Um, And I mean that in anything, in your, in your work, at your home, um, you're probably becoming prideful in that man because people around us can make us prideful by our applauses. But at that point, though, it can affect your motivation, your motivation for serving, your motivation for doing kind acts, your motivation is all self-seeking and you're becoming very prideful and your pride is swelling up by pleasing people. I'm this people pleaser. But also, (laughs) you'll not only will you appreciate their applause, you'll hunger and thirst for their need of you. You'll think, man, I'm, I'm needed here. If I'm not here, if I don't do this certain task, if yes. I don't complete this certain role, then I'm not, uh, they're not they're not going to survive. They're not going to make it. And you become so prideful of uh, almost like a savior, like they need me. Yes. The, this group, my my employees, they need me. They have to have me. If they don't have me, it will all fall apart. Yes. And that is super prideful. prideful. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yes. Because yeah. you you if you come if you think about the humble approach of hey, man, I'm leading, I'm trying to lead, help other people lead, and that way if I go away, man, they, they won't be hurt. They, I've multiplied myself. Um, also, on the people-pleasing end, you mentioned it earlier, if you don't allow other people in your circle, in into your life, 
that know your sin because you're trying to please them so much. You don't want them to see a sinful person because at that point you would no longer be pleasing them and you wouldn't get their applause. Then you could end up never being convicted of your sin because you're not letting other people in to hold you accountable, yes. to call you out on it. Um, so I'd really ask yourself, am I a people pleaser? And you probably have told yourself and convinced yourself that you're a people pleaser because you are humble. I put other people first. I put their needs first. I care about their interests. I care about their ideas. Um, I'm not going to die on any hill, and I'll go with whatever people say. But honestly, you do that because you're self-interested. <laughs> you want yeah. people to applaud you. You want people to say, hey, good job. And so uh, just think about that inwardly. Um, and ask yourself if you seek applause of man and you are a people seeker, there's a good chance that may be a, uh, a stem of pride. Um, and then another one I'll say is, this is, this is kind of simplistic. Go back and look at this week, or even today, um, if you're listening to this at the end of the day, uh, if you're listening to the morning, think about just yesterday. How much did you seek talking about yourself? If every conversation you had, you would wait for someone to finish their sentence so that you could respond to talk about yourself. Or you could respond to say, oh, yeah, I know what you're going through. I remember a time where I, or, oh, yeah, that's a great story. Last night, listen to what happened to me. Or, oh, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry about your kid. This is what happened to my kid. How much of your conversation, are you a good listener? Mm. Are you somebody who listens with care for other people? Or are you listening and having conversation and just can't wait to tell about your story next? Now, I know that sounds simplistic, but honestly, if you evaluate that and kind of do an internal audit of how much do I talk about myself, that can show you a warning sign of, hey, you're getting a little too sure. prideful. Mm -hmm. Every conversation you have, you can't wait to talk about you next. Um, there was a good Toby Keith song. Give you some good the theologian yeah, of get that Toby in Keith. There. Um, he had a song that I want to talk about me. I want to talk yes. about I. <laughs> yes. um, and and that's that can show maybe I'm focused way too much on myself and I'm too prideful mm. because once again we look at these beatitudes uh, and they are none of them. If you if you exude these things, you won't be seen as a prideful person. If you're showing mercy. You're withholding a punishment that someone deserves. Man, you talk about pride. They deserve this. Uh, I should give it to them. They, they deserve what's coming to them. That, that's prideful. prideful yes. Pure in heart. You seek the desires of the world. You're just all thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about God. You talk about the humble. That in and of itself is in direct contrast <laughs> with pride. Uh, the poor in spirit. People realizing, I need God. God. I need my spirit. Cannot, cannot take it. I need the Holy Spirit. That right there is saying, I need, you talk about the most least prideful thing you can do is ha hold your hand out and say, I need something. I need something. I need help. That That, that is like the bottom of pride. <laughs> that is like you hear people say, I've hit rock bottom. Most of the time, that's when they're sticking their hand out and saying, hey, I need something. You can't build yourself up when, you, when you're in need. And so, um. All right, so let me ask you this. What are some, and, and we just talked about warning sign, what are some habits that we can create to become less prideful? So we just said, hey, if you see these coming up in your life. So, for example, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm in my bathroom and I want to say, okay, what's a warning sign that this place is about to flood? 
um, <laughs> the the plumber would probably say, okay, if water starts seeping out from under your commode, it's probably going to flood. Yeah. If your pipes start backing up, it's probably going to flood. That's the warning sign. Yeah. So then what would I ask the plumber? Okay, what can I do to stop that? What, yes. And so what yeah. habits can we do or, or, or put in place that can create a, a spirit of less pride and more humility? I think we kind of touched a little bit on some of this in our conversation a little bit earlier, but we've mentioned it numerous times this morning is you have to surround yourself with people that you know, love, and trust who can hold you accountable in your life. Um, one of the things that, you know, I was not a big podcast listener in the past, but when the, the big one that I got onto, and we've talked about this, was, was the uh, Mike Cosper's Rise and Fall of Mars Hill thing. And in that, when they were talking about Driscoll's leadership, over Mars Hill, they interviewed his pastoral assistant. And in that, they asked the question, what's it like working with Mark? And um, and Mark was very energetic, very passionate, very big dog in that in that time. And she said, he's passionate, energetic. He loves, he loves doing this. He, she said, but the one thing that I think Mark needs more than anything in his life and ministry is more men that will surround him and say no. That would help keep attitudes, thoughts, behaviors, theology, doctrine in check. And I think that is applicable not just to pastors. I think that's to everybody. We, we need grew a peer group of people around us that we trust and love who know the Lord, who we can be open and authentic with, and who we can look at them and them say to us, you're being prideful. And we take that as love and uh, concern for our well-being and not insult and respond in pride arrogantly like, no, I don't. We need people who can speak into our lives in that manner. Let me say this, too. You need those people, but also you need to be that person. Yes, Oftentimes, absolutely. once again, it's very prideful because you you're too timid or you want to seek the applause of man that you won't do that. I'm not saying do it with everyone, but people that right. you know, feel comfortable calling them out. Yeah. Um, instead of watching them burn yeah, and, and wishing that something was different. Tell them, say, hey, look, <clears throat> this this needs to change. You have something, and it's not. I was having a conversation with someone the other day. Um, you know, when we see that we we want to get the speck out of someone else's eye, but we have a plank in ours, I think the, the message, the meaning behind that is the person with the plank in their eye they want to find specs because they want to be self-righteous. Hey, I got this thing going on with me, but look what everybody else has going mm-hmm. on. Instead of, hey, I realize I got a plank and, and I'm trying to get rid of it, but hey, I see something in you that I want I want you to get rid of and let's, let's work at this together, but I don't want you to hurt anymore, man. Um, I don't want to see you fall in this end. So not only do you need to surround yourself by people like that, we have to quit being, lack of a better term, pansy. <laughs> right. And do that yeah. with other people. Yeah. Um, and don't be timid to do that. And don't do it from a self-righteous standpoint. I'm going to tell them how to do X, Y, Z or cover X, Y, Z sin in order to boast myself up because I don't struggle with that. No, it's, hey, I see this as an outside perspective, and you're going through some stuff, and I've seen you talk to your kids a certain way, and that's not cool. And I'm not doing that to build myself up as a dad, but I'm doing it because I see sure. you struggling and I don't want that for you. Well, I think you're right because it's not that we're admitting our perfection or mastery of something. Yeah. It's that we are in the same places with different, maybe different aspects of those things. 
And that is that is the kind of relationship that's got to reciprocate with one another. And you're ex- you're exactly right. You can't be the one that just simply goes out calling it out because then that becomes mm-hmm. people seeing you as prideful and arrogant and those things. And so so I do think that that we we have to like I said we have to we need those people and we have to be those people in the right spirit. Um, and then I think too, you know, it's um, uh, it's important that again I know we talked about this just a little bit ago, but that's that area where we have people calling out the sinfulness that they see, the potential of where that goes. The conversations we have and holding each other accountable are are the most loving thing we can do for a brother and sister in Christ. While we may feel like those times, like you say, get over the pansy attitude of, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings, or I don't want to upset them, or I don't want to do this. The most loving thing we can do is help each other in growing in that walk with Christ. And we don't have people in that, and we're forced to listen to our own selves, which is the worst person we can usually listen to. We lose a great gift of of community and 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 friendship in the body that God gives to us as we hold each other accountable. Yeah. So I think that that is one way. I think one thing is that you you in, you have to you intentionally place people and be that person for people mm-hmm. in their lives. Um, and there is a dynamic to that relationship, and we know that you know not everybody's going to be super open to yeah. that kind of thing. So, but. I'll say a major habit um, that has helped me with my pride um, is reading God's word. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was the most prideful was probably from the age of 20 to probably 25, 26, somewhere in there where I just thought I knew it all. Mm. Um, and I was just starting uh, ministry on my own and not as an intern then. Um, and I would read God's word, and listener, ask yourself if you do this. I would read God's word, and I would immediately think, okay, how does this apply to those around me? <laughs> um, because at that time, I was right. teaching students. So I was like, all right, yeah. how can I teach the kids? Where have they messed up? How do I see other people messing up because of this text? Um, read the Bible and let it convict you. Yes. Um, I'm going to talk to just pastors here for a moment. That's sometimes the most difficult thing you can do is read your word or read God's word and not immediately turn into your word for your people and just not start preaching the word while you read it. First, mm. you have to let it convict you. But also, you as, as a listener that's not a pastor, um, read God's word and say, how do I need, how does this apply to me and how can this change me? How can I am the sinner here? And that may sound like the opposite of pride, but it is. You're thinking about yourself and how you personally uh, can be affected by Scripture. So instead of reading Scripture and thinking, man, somebody else really needs this, or man, this would really help them, or man, I wish so-and-so needs to read this passage, start with you, a habit you create. When you read God's Word, say, how does this affect me? How can I change? Um, and then it can be applicable uh, for other people um, as pastors. We have to do that every week. Uh, how can we take this text, let it convict us? Mm-hmm. How can we make it applicable to other people? But I think that habit can really um, change your pride. We only have just a few minutes. Um, I do want to talk about this one. Uh, we talked about peacemaking uh, in Chapter 9. It said, Blessed are the peacemakers. I think one of the toughest challenges that the Christian church faces today is the lack of peace and the lack of peacemakers. Um, not just we look outside the church doors and we do see an unpeaceful place, um, anger, bitterness, bickering, um, 
but honestly, inside the church, sometimes it doesn't look much different. And if we're called to be peacemakers, how can we change the culture within the church? And I say we, not not as pastors, as pastors, but as people in the church, as church members, as listeners of this, how can we change the culture that just almost embraces and and glorifies, glorifies sorry, conflict? Boy, don't we, though, have that culture? <laughs> we do. Don't we love to argue about things? Um, I, I think one of the ways is which we start is just we have to start with the, with the end in mind. Um, I think when we look at, at peacemaking and conflict resolution in the body of Christ or, or outside of that, keeping in mind as a follower of Christ, what is our goal? Our goal is that this honors and glorifies God. Not that I'm right or that you're right or that I have to win you to something, but that ultimately, if we're both believers, our goal is that this this conversation or this conflict is resolved in a way that honors and glorifies God. Christ modeled that. Everything he did did not point people to him to convince him to say, oh, I'm right, this, but to see the Father, to point them to the Father. So I think if we start at the end and say, okay, when we have a conflict, the goal of this conflict is that as brothers and sisters in Christ or whatever this, this is, especially in the church, is this the end result here is that we're going to walk away loving one another and honoring God in the midst of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, if my if I enter into a conflict with you or a conversation with you, and my goal is to tell you how right I am and how wrong you are, well, there we're already in pride. We've already lost the point, so therefore we do that. I'm thankful, and when you talked about this before, and I'm going to let you go into this, that God gave us a way to do this. Mm-hmm. He didn't say, figure this out. He said, let me tell you. This is the way we do this. Yeah, and so I think, and you talked about earlier. I think you were going to talk about the Matthew passage um, a little because that's that's what God gives to us through Christ and His teaching. That hey, you're going to have conflict. It's inevitable. Yeah. You're going to disagree, but here's how to do this properly. Yeah, I think the church. The reason um, it is a culture that does <laughs> kind of glorify. Not not. I don't guess so much glorify, but conflict is so much around the church culture. Um, is because I do believe we venture off of the way in which Jesus tells us to handle it. Um, in Matthew eighteen fifteen, it says, If your brother sins against you, go to him. Uh, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. So if somebody, if you have a conflict, go to that person, just you and him alone. Don't bring anybody else in, just you and he or you and she. Uh, if he listens to you, you've won your brother. But if he won't listen, so if that doesn't work, take two, one or two others with you. So that by the testimony of two or three as a witness, every fact may be established. Hey, look, we try to resolve this conflict. Somebody's in the wrong. It it didn't get resolved with just the two of us. We're going to take two or three more so that we can resolve this issue. If he doesn't pay attention to them, tell the church. If he doesn't pay attention to even the church, uh, let him be like a Gentile and a tax collector. And I think this is really where conflict ends up is people don't see their sin as sin. We try to mm. call them out on it. They don't see it. Maybe we call them out in a bad way or we don't call them out at all. And then next <laughs> thing we know, the sin is huge or the conflict is huge because sin has gone unresolved for so long. And Jesus tells us this is how you approach a situation like this. I will tell you also as a listener, one of the one of the best pieces of um, – advice or, or best things I've read when talking about conflict is from the Bible. Um, in 1 Corinthians 13, which many of you probably had this read at your wedding. Um, I'm doing a wedding this weekend. I'm <laughs> going to read it. You're going to read it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're going to read it. 
But Paul is really writing to the church and telling them how to love one another. And listen what he says in verse 7 of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says, It, talking about love, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And so two things here I want to point out. It believes all things. You as a listener of this podcast, me as a pastor, Chris as a pastor, we have to believe good things about people in the church, our brothers and sisters. Um, I was having a conversation. It wasn't a conflict, but it was a conversation where two opposing sides were coming together. And um, I told the opposing side, I said, listen, we didn't, I didn't do any of this maliciously. Mm-hmm. I did it with what you said. I wanted the end goal to be God be glorified. You And then this person came a few days later and apologized. I said, listen, I didn't think you came to me <laughs> maliciously. Um, I said, I think you had the end goal of God be glorified, and we just had two opinions about how we were going to get there. Get there. Yeah. I said, but that person, I wanted them to believe all things about me. Right. I wanted them to come off not thinking the worst of me. I wanted them to think the best of me. And so, church, when you encounter conflict, both with your spouse, with your kids, with other church members, believe all things. Believe mm-hmm. that they're coming from a good place. Start there. They may not be, but start there. Start there. Start sure. there. Don't start defensive and saying, oh, no, they're, they're doing this maliciously. They're wanting to change something. They're not wanting to teach Sunday school, or they're wanting to, to talk say this in Sunday school, they're wanting to, to move seats, whatever. Believe good things. Believe all things about people, and that will help conflict so much. Absolutely. Because then when you practice Matthew 18 of going to one another, you're already coming at it believing the best things about each other, and then resolution will be found much quicker. Mm. Um, and then lastly, it says love endures all things. We have come to a time and culture that we don't endure much. Um, the idea of quit and leave uh, is very quick to enter people's minds in marriages, in families, and in churches. Um, when the reason church membership is so special and important is because you are coming to a family. And I want us church to know that we should endure all things. We should stick together as a church family. You should stick by your church family. You need to stay and endure those things. Um, now, if they are being heretical, if there is any incorrect doctrine and teaching, of course, um, try to correct that. But we live in a time where we don't endure much. Quit and leave is too quick to enter our minds. And I just want to encourage you, church, don't quit. Don't leave. Don't leave your family. Don't leave your spouse. Don't leave your church. Don't quit. Endure all things. Listen, thank you for listening today. Um, we will see you back here next week. <laughs>